This is Inspiring Design, where unique innovators come together to share their knowledge, share their insight, and keep us up to date with the latest industry trends. And here's your host, Rushan Senanayak. What's up, listeners? Welcome to Season 4 of Inspiring Design with Rushan Senanayaka. This is where the best of the best brands, experts, change makers, and thought leaders come together to share their valuable insights, experience, and knowledge, all centered around the growth sector in advanced manufacturing within Industry 4.0, encompassing various industries, technologies, skills, knowledge, trends, as well as stakeholders, all the while linking it back into education within schools and universities. So without further ado, let me introduce you to the first guest of season four, Francisco Betty, the head of shaping the future of advanced manufacturing and production for the World Economic Forum. This is one of the international recordings and Francisco is an expert in manufacturing and production. He heads the World Economic Forum's advanced manufacturing platform. Francisco also has a deep knowledge on governance, strategy and work plan development. He has previously worked in risk management and in international development. Not to mention the World Economic Forum committed to improving the state of the world is the International Organization for Public-Private Corporation. The forum engages the foremost political, business and other leaders of society to shape global, regional and industry agendas. So without further ado, let's get straight into it. Francisco, welcome to Inspiring Design Mates. Can we start off with a little bit of background and your history and understand your story? What's the, what's the Francisco story all about? Well, Russian, many thanks for, for hosting me today, first of all, and, and delighted to be talking to you and, and your community. My background story, well, I, I have a background in political science and, and international relations. Uh, and before joining the, the World Economic Forum, I worked for several years for PwC, Price Waterhouse Coopers, mainly in uh, management consulting, servicing what we call the, the international organization space, so the UN system and, and other uh, organizations in that, in that broader international space. And on a personal note, maybe I, I was born and grew up in Argentina, uh, did my studies in mainly in Italy, and I'm a Swiss citizen. I've been living in Switzerland for for the past over 14 years, and I hold a Swiss and Argentinian and an Italian passport. Brilliant! That's pretty cool. And um, so this is why I love this episode. You're joining us from all the way on the other side of the world, and I'm loving the connectivity. So. Now, some of our listeners may or may not have heard of the World Economic Forum. So for those listeners, can you clarify a little bit exactly who the World Economic Forum is, your capabilities, any services, what are the values of what the World Economic Forum is all about? Absolutely. I mean, the, the World Economic Forum is the international organization for public private 
but cooperation. We are a non-for-profit that for the past 50 years is, it has been bringing together stakeholders from business, government, academia, and civil society, uh, helping them work together, collaborate around some of the most pressing issues that the, that the world and we as a global society are, are facing today. What, what I su should say in terms of uh, history is that we started mainly convening communities and, and probably the, the most well-known well on, on the, let's say, um, global event is what we call our annual meeting that we host every year in, in Davos. But yeah. that's probably 10% that's of what we do. The, the real work and magic happens throughout the year through these multi-stakeholder communities that we put together um, on specific thematic areas. And the, let's say that the, 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 the area that I'm responsible for is the, the one focusing on the future of manufacturing and production systems, in other words, as well, industry 4.0. Yeah, well, that's brilliant, and I love the work that you guys are doing. It's it's so informative, and uh, the the whole premise of making that global community is one of the most important things. And I think personally, I believe it can resonate a lot with the United Nations uh, Sustainability Development Goals, and as well as uniting in you know full front. So thank you so much for the work you're doing. And you mentioned um, a couple of things there, and being your speciality. Uh, in the advanced manufacturing and industry 4.0. So before we dive into the details, can you elaborate on, in your words, what is, exactly is industry 4.0? Well, I think it's the, in, in the way we, we, dis, we define and understand it is a synonym to advanced manufacturing, to uh, intelligent manufacturing, uh, depending on which part of the world you are. But it's really the, 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 the transformation of production systems and business models through the adoption of new technologies. Now, very often those technologies are not applied as individual standalone uh, pieces of equipment of software, but in combination to develop new and amazing use cases that can drive uh, efficiency, reduce cost, and at the same time, contribute, for example, to sustainability, to the enablement of new customer experience and so on. So it's, it's let's say it is the, it's the, the core of the transformation of manufacturing, but goes much beyond that because it's enabling a full new range of approaches to products, customers, and the environment, which I think it's, it's quite exciting. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that's the beauty of it, the whole connected nature of um, exactly even what we're doing and how that impacts how our day-to-day -day life uh, works within this connected and intelligent um, society. And I think it's the biggest challenges here in Australia is that almost keeping up with those technological changes in within Industry 4 and, and letting those skill sets that affected filter down to an education level. Now, in building and manufacturing, I, I believe in Australia or in other countries, they do call it advanced manufacturing. Can you explain exactly what is advanced manufacturing? I think we, we, we are using advanced manufacturing pretty much as a synonym of, of mm -hmm. Industry 4.0. And once again, 
it's the, the ability or the new opportunity that companies have to take technological developments that are reaching a new tipping point and have a transformative power to radically change the way in which they make products, first of all, mm -hmm. but also the way in which they are, they, they are serving customers. So imagine, you know, from a, a standard traditional vehicle towards mm -hmm. building a, an electrical and connected vehicle, right? Well, that requires a significant upgrade of the production processes and redesign and rethink of the production processes as well. And then all the way to, for example, the, the use of sensors, data to be able to interact with the customer, monitor the performance of the cards over time and be able to, to inform either customers or companies' decisions on, on those bases. So, so it's really, I, I, I should call advanced manufacturing the transformation, the next generation of, of mm -hmm. manufacturing and what that's, that's providing uh, mainly is the ability to have more flexible and agile production lines, but also mm -hmm. to connect value chains end to end. And through the transformation of production lines, you drive efficiencies and you drive product innovation through connected value chains is how you enable those new customer experiences. So as I said before, in order from traditional standard cars to connected vehicles and the opportunity to provide mobility as a service, that could be a good example of a radical change, which is enabled by this new set of technologies and use cases that are, that are kind of uh, driving this transformation that we are seeing. And what is interesting yeah. is that we are seeing that happening across multiple industries and mm -hmm. all over the world. It doesn't really matter, yeah. you know, whether you have a traditional and solid manufacturing base as a country, but, but you know, there are opportunities for every country to jump on and take this new train. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's what makes it cool. It, it, like you mentioned, it does impact a lot of industries across the, across the board here. So in your experience, looking at things from a global point of view, what kind of industries actually fall within this environment and, and what, what are those industries that are going to actually transform and take it to that next level? And that's a great question, Russian. And let me, let me define it this way. I think you have a, 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 a hardcore group of companies that are starting to define themselves as advanced manufacturers. Now, who, mm -hmm. which, which subgroups fall within, within those categories? Uh, and there you have a combination of traditional players, but also new companies that are emerging and growing super fast, becoming innovative um, uh, unicorns in many cases. But for example, you have the entire 3D printing community. 3D mm -hmm. printing is the major driver of an enabler of advanced manufacturing solutions and use cases. You have the entire space of companies providing advanced robotics and automation solutions. And there you have again a combination of more traditional robotic companies, but also so there's, there's a huge generation of new companies that are bringing incredible new and exciting developments to the table. You have then the entire space of what someone could call the digital services, right? So from, from IoT cloud services for manufacturing to all sorts of uh, software uh, developments as well. And uh, of course, in addition to that, then you have some, let's say, some key enablers. Imagine companies working on new materials. Uh, 
semiconductor companies. You need the chips to go into the machines that, that allow you to upgrade your production processes, and at the same time, some chips that goes into the end products that will help you capture data all the way down to the, to the consumers, right? Um, and then I think that there are some segments which are probably at the forefront of this transformation. So think about the, the native manufacturing companies, right? Those companies who are mainly in the, the electronics components, uh, mm -hmm. Foxcom, JPL, Flex, those companies by default, by definition, they are, they are becoming advanced manufacturers. Now, what is interesting is that you know, all these companies that, that I'm, I'm, I'm describing um, you know, are starting to identify themselves with this new definition of advanced manufacturing industry 4.0. But then you also have a full spectrum of other industries who are consumers of those technologies and products and who are seriously investing in new capabilities and technologies. You know, from, from auto, which is moving into becoming a mobility industry uh, through healthcare to mining and metals. Imagine mining, a very traditional industry. What we are seeing today, you know, uh, automated um, electric mines, right? Which are which are making a huge difference, whether it's on the performance, uh, productivity side, but also on the, for example, the environmental footprint that mm -hmm. the that the mining sector uh, traditionally had. Yeah, and uh, um, this is this is actually the power of Industry 4.0 and this technology of advanced manufacturing. Because personally, one of the things that I'm very excited to see and constantly impressed is how these technologies like 3D printing and, uh, and prototyping and censoring has transformed the healthcare industry, like you mentioned, and just literally 3D printing organ parts and being able to yeah. successfully keep that flow going, it's completely flipping things on its head. So I, I'm personally loving it. And in addition to that, I think what's important is even in farming, we're seeing a lot of impact on how food and, um, and uh, general produce is actually produced within these, using these technological advancements. So it's actually pretty cool. Now, a question I've been dying to ask you is, if we had to detail, almost dot point the different technologies that are key within this environment, what would that be? Now, I know you already mentioned 3D printing, if you could, if you could uh, dot point them, what would be the key technologies that are part of this new sphere? There, there is a broad, broad range of technologies, you know, from 3D printing, advanced robotics, um, nanotechnology, virtual reality, augmented reality, AI, IoT. So, uh, you know, there are, there are many. Now, if you ask me, which are the most, the ones that I believe are going to have the most transformative impact across industries? I could I could name three. I mm -hmm. could say IoT, but IoT has mm -hmm. been around for a long time. Now, of course, things are, are improvement as we as are improving as, as we go. Why? Because you do need connected devices, right? And you do need connected devices, whether it's your equipment within the factory to monitor performance or the end products that, that customers will be buying so that yeah. they can engage with them in a totally new and, and amazing way, right? So I think that IoT has already ha uh, had a transformative, uh, already have a transformative power and will continue having some going forward. The second one that will most likely radically transform many industries is of course 3D printing. 
Why? Mm. Because as soon as we are able to adopt 3D printing for mass production and not for prototyping, I mean, we will be able to a certain extent to, to decentralize manufacturing, to produce locally, to customize, to be faster to market. So that's, that's really opening up a full new range of opportunities. And if, you know, if, if as you did, 3D printing was mainly the prototyping space, we are seeing a lot of interesting developments, many accelerated by the current pandemic, in which 3D printing, you know, came up as one of the, the you know, the, the key enablers of fast solutions. But we are seeing, we are starting to see a large scale adoption of 3D printing for mass production. Uh, and when I said mass, doesn't mean that it's not customized, but for, you know, its adoption of 3D printing in, in fa and within factories. And, and then the yeah. third one, I think it's, it's the combination of 5G and AI. Which will, which will enable you know, every piece of equipment to be operating on the edge, to be intelligent, and to radically increase uh, performance. Now, mm -hmm. something I should flag, and, and I think that it's, it's interesting to see how, you know, th there, there's a tendency for people to focus on individual technologies. Now, what, what very often happens when the conversation goes that way is that you and that, you know, getting lost into a, a hype a curve. Now, the way in which companies are thinking about manufacturing is it's, it's in very practical terms. There's no company who is looking at technologies individually. What companies are trying to do is to solve and address very specific production and business issues, challenges, many of which are new in the current post-pandemic context that require unique solutions that can be only developed through the combination of multiple technologies. So that's mm -hmm. why we are taking, you know, when we engage with companies, when we get in global conversations, we are taking a very practical approach, which moves away from talking about individual technologies to reduce the risk of, of getting to the hype side of things and talks about use cases, the practical, tangible adoption of solutions on the shop floor and, and its deployments across uh, multiple facilities and value chain. I think that that's that that's a very important uh, point and element to to take into account. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think this these are all crucial elements within almost every country that's moving into this area now. Being in education myself, one of the biggest challenges that we see here is the skill shortages that comes with it because currently most of the countries in the world are actually aligned with an education system that services towards the needs of industry 3.0 or industry three, which is in this transformational time period is a little bit outdated now and it's not suitable towards the thinking and the mechanisms and the skills required. So with this also um, shift towards this new element comes with a key set of skills that allows someone to use and utilize these skill sets and um, and actually work towards it and be successful within these environments looking towards industry 4.0. So one, um, in my opinion, I believe the role of design thinking, resilience, uh, computer literacy, emotional intelligence, all of these elements will play a key role um, in within preparing the next generations towards the actual industry 4.0 being in the middle of it. What your thoughts on this? What are the key skills required for the for this future of industry 
Absolutely, Russian, and, and I think that, that that you named some of those. I mean, everything that has to do with with digital skills um, is going to be essential to be able to mm -hmm. either operate equipment on the shop floor or be able to to handle and manage, you know, the the new connected devices and products that that companies are making now. Now, I think that um, you know we will also see a lot of new skills that will be required to provide and enable the services that come with those products. And that's mainly what we will likely see job creation going forward. Now, let me, before we talk about the skills in more detail, I think that an important point to highlight is that at a very fast pace, we are seeing jobs being displaced and jobs being created in manufacturing mm -hmm. today. Because of yeah. course, you know, to think about how automation is helping replace dangerous and repetitive tasks so that people yeah. can focus on more value activities. And at the same time, you know, this full new set of technologies and use cases are requiring uh, people with new qualifications, with new abilities that, that may not be immediately available in certain markets, right? So you have, you have jo short, uh, jobs displacement, and then at the same time you have um, you know, job creation and, and a skills gap. Now, I think that that's why I'd like to talk about, you know, it is all about how do we manage that, that transition. And that transition mm -hmm. cannot be managed by companies only. This is where the forum gets extremely interesting as a platform for multi-stakeholder dialogue and cooperation. You know, it is essential that companies, governments, academia and civil society, and by civil society, I mean mainly labor unions, can go to work together to develop new plans that will look at, you know, what are the new, the new skills that we need to be training people on going forward? How do yep. we put in place new training pro programs and modules? You know, is there the, the, the current college, university, you know, sequencing the right one? Or, or is it too slow? You know, we, we, we keep hearing from companies that they are hiring engineers from the best schools in the work, uh, in the world, mm -hmm. and they still need to spend months and months train them on on new on new digital skills and, and capabilities right so so i think that there's an urgent need for a multi-stakeholder dialogue around uh, jobs in manufacturing so that the transition can be handled in the best mm -hmm. possible way now the second element is that in doing so we need to make sure that we put the individual the individuals at the center of the equation uh, you know, the, the goal here is not to adopt technology for the sake, sake of adopting technologies. I think that we can and we should be adopting technologies that are driving productivity by enhancing, enhancing workers' capabilities. And when you look at, at VR, AR, and the ability to use, you know, real-time or to follow real-time instructions on the shop floor, uh, well, that's, that's an amazing way to take workers to the next level and drive productivity and, and increase yield. When you talk about, um, you know, the ability to make uh, real-time decisions by, by leveraging predictive maintenance tools, which are powered by data and, uh, uh, and AI, uh, well, that's, again, that's enabling, you know, managers to um to 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 monitor in real time and, and make decisions as they go um and something that you know a third element that i think we need to consider is not is is not just about new technical and soft skills digital skills that are that are and digital skills that are required i think there's also a big mindset change 
that is needed and that not just companies and workers but also universities colleges yep. civil society needs to embrace and and we are saying you know the the big question is in 10 years from now when we will look back how will that overall equation uh, look like and there are some you know there are some worrying signs which which would which, which shows that if we don't manage this transition altogether, we may fail as society. But there are also very, very positive signs with very exciting, um, you know, pockets of job creation emerging. Now, mm -hmm. once again, and back to your point, digital skills, design thinking, soft skills are going to be essential for people to be able to benefit from those new jobs uh, that are being created and in which um, right now we have a skills gap. Yeah, I think that's well said, mate. And and that's the the concern for a lot of um, individuals is the job loss that you mentioned. But at the same time, in my opinion, I believe because of these new skill sets, new avenues opening, it's it's not necessarily a job displacement. It's actually a job evolution, which changes and transforms. It may be making the jobs that we knew 20 years ago redundant. However, it's actually opening up twice the amount of different types of different skill sets, different um, integrations of different uh, skills and technologies coming together and, and uh, bringing more opportunities. And something interesting that I have found is that if people are willing to, I think, be creative, they're able to find gaps in utilizing these technologies to come up with a completely new uh, employment opportunity, new area, new industries even, without even simply by playing with it and being creative. So I think it's a very exciting time. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I, I mean, it is, it is a very, very exciting time. I think it's, you know, when it, it's th these kind of conversations, I believe are essential for, for to help people, especially student, students, understand how the, the, the manufacturing landscape is evolving and, and use that to inform career choices, right? Uh, yeah. I'm a strong believer. I don't have a background in engineering. As I said, I have a background in political science, economic and international development. And when we, when we started looking at the future of manufacturing, the forum, the, the entry angle was the, the industrial policy one, right? It's how governments can, can keep up with the changes that, that we are seeing and where the, the separates that are needed and, and and I do have now a, a team of engineers and, and my strong belief is that we will need more and more engineers going forward in the future right so I believe that you know someone who is going for an, an, an engineering career opportunity right now you know may have a lot of amazing and exciting opportunities in manufacturing going forward manufacturing yeah. is no longer that that dirty boring career path that it used to be that it used to be before uh, now my the, the, the belief as well is that you know just going to university is not going to be enough you know mm, people yeah. will will need to move and change their mindset and get into a continuous on the job training we may see in the future yeah. people you know people pivoting on an ongoing basis and forever from 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 factories facilities companies to universities back and forth as as technology evolves so that we can keep pace we will see mid-career workers you know uh, being asked to to make a break at the age of 45 50 to go through a retraining you know a journey so that they can adopt new digital skills now something that is fast fascinating about manufacturing rush and that I want to I want to flag is that you know when you look at a shop floor today 
and you see the, the experienced shop floor operators who have been the factory you know, for, for 30, 25, 30 years, and you know, can, can listen to a machine and, and predict and tell you what's, what's working, what's not. And you have the new, young, digital generations and shop floor engineers. I think that that, that combination of very unique manufacturing know-how with digital skills it has a tremendous power. And that's, that's why it's important not just to, to you know, to, to create these intergenerational links that will help us to, uh, to share that, that tacit know-how that is still required and very important manufacturing to, to the new generations that will come with a new set of digital capabilities and skills. I think that that's, that's very exciting and, and unique as well. Indeed, and you are dropping all the words that, I'm, that, are, that are aligning and resonating with everything that I'm actually thinking. And um, a, a, coined, a phrase that I like to use is this is part of professional social sustainability, where all those intergenerational links, the capabilities of the different generations, the thinking styles, the utilization of technology, all the stakeholders coming together and they're moving forward. So I'm loving everything that you're saying, man. And so on that note, What's the advice that you can give to schools and universities, specifically just targeting educators? What's your advice towards them? I think that when it comes to universities, uh, what we are seeing more and more is, especially when it comes to engineering universities, which are located in an area in which there is somehow a certain manufacturing presence, is to start working closer with the companies with whom mm -hmm. they could partner, you know, mm -hmm. to enable that continuous dialogue and flow in between the shop floor, the companies, and the, the classrooms, right? So engaging in conversations with shop floor engineers, with middle management, or what are the latest, let's say, production problems that your facility is trying to address and share those with the students and use that to develop new ideas and share back with the factory. I think that there, there's, there, there's a need for a new dialogue and a new approach to collaboration in between universities and their local communities, especially when it comes to engineering and manufacturing. I think the more we can create those linkages and there are plenty of of, of great examples from around the world, but the more we see those linkages, the, the better, both for the students, for the universities themselves, and for the companies. The, the second element is that there is probably a need to revisit the, the curricula, the, the training mm -hmm. modules, the, the different classes, and, and you know, uh, there's an urgent need to do that by looking at, you know, and, and having a real uh, and good understanding of how manufacturing is being transformed. There's no point in, 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 in training people um, without looking at, you know, some of the technologies that we just discussed from IoT to AI. That is, that is it's not science fiction anymore. It, the transformation mm. is going on now and it's been radically accelerated by the current pandemics, which is forcing companies to, to think and adopt new approaches to manufacturing to be more resilient. So, so there's a need to rethink each and every training module and, and, and curricula uh, in light of the latest developments. And, and, and that can be done as well in collaboration with the private sector, with companies, right? So that we, yes, we provide some very, let's say, basic uh, digital literacy and skills, but we can also get closer to what is needed on the day-to-day -day on the shop floor. And then when it comes to the, to the students, I think that it's, it's really, uh, I'm advocating 
for, for manufacturing, of course, because that's the area in which I'm involved, but I think that there are very exciting opportunities. Talk to people who are working in manufacturing today or for universities, there's an opportunity to invite people from factories to talk to mm -hmm. students. Manufacturing, as I said before, is no longer the boring, dangerous, and dirty place that it used to be 10, 20, 50 years ago. I mean, uh, you know, if you go to a, to a college and you ask students, you know, who wants to work on manufacturing, you, you, you may see very few hands up, right? But if you ask who wants to work with AI, augmented reality, exo exoskeletons, advanced robotics, I mean, that becomes a very interesting and rewarding journey. And then the other thing that I, that I feel it's extremely rewarding about manufacturing is that you, 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 you live in a continuous improvement and development journey. Because by, by looking at how things can improve for your products, for your processes, you're also constantly challenging yourself. And there's a constant need to look at, de at developing new capabilities, evolving your thinking, you know, working in collaboration. We are seeing more and more partnerships being established between traditional manufacturers and a network of innovators, right? Mm -hmm. a, a large company may not have the bandwidth to look at on, on the most advanced or the, or the capabilities to look at the most advanced AI solution for manufacturing. So we are seeing, you know, the ability for someone who's on the shop floor to be working on a pilot with really some of the most amazing startups in, in the AI space. That, that's quite exciting as well. So, so I believe that, you know, maybe to, to wrap up, Russian, I believe that we are going to see a lot of exciting opportunities in manufacturing, but to, to get there, it will require some, some changes when it comes to our educational systems and also a lot of personal interest and commitment so that people can on a continuous uh, basis evolve and upgrade their, their, their skills. Absolutely, man. And I think well said. A lot of those things resonate really well with what we're doing. Even currently, I'm involved with 550 kids working with eight international NGOs and IOs working towards real world problems. So exactly what you're saying is in the movement. And I'm uh, thank you so much for all the advice and the sheer immense of knowledge that you have dropped within a very short period of time. Really appreciate it. And I'm sure all the listeners will take away a lot from today's episode. So thank you so much. My pleasure and look forward to the next conversation, Russian. Thank you, mate. That's it for today's episode. Now it's time to take action and build on the learnings to get inspired. First up, jump on to rashansenanayaka.com forward slash podcast and check out the show notes, links and other relevant learning materials from this amazing episode. Next, if you learned something new today, click that subscribe button and set yourself up to receive live notifications on future episodes, as well as more opportunities to learn from our amazing guests, brands and speakers. Last but not least, it's time to have your say. Join the conversation and share your thoughts and feedback on today's episode with a review, all while joining many others with a five-star rating for Inspiring Design with Rashan Senanayaka. Till next time.